we are learning for Shalema for um, all who are sick. There's a long list that someone showed me, so I'm just uh, have everyone in mind. I don't know everyone's name, so I I do know Eitan Moshe ben Hilahinda and Yitzchok ben Yudis. But B'Surich Shar Choli Yisrael, we should all have Rufuah Shleima. We should get through this together safely and uh, hopefully come out better for it. Okay, so with that, let's get started on the review of yesterday's Daf Daf Chav Gimel, number 23. And we'll start from the, uh, from the uh, couple of lines down on Daf Chav Gimel. We're at the line of the Hashta. The Gemara over there says that uh, we've established that the bracha, that the mitzvah is lahadlik nirshal. Lahadlik is the mitzvah is hadlaka, hadlaka yisrael mitzvah, not hanacha. And now that this is established that it's a lakos mitzvah, so there's a few halachos that come out. Number one, that if a cherishot vekaton are lighting, that's not uh, acceptable. Uh, But um, it is also true that women are going to be for, able to fulfill the mitzvah of Hadlaka. And that is, although it is a time of mitzvah that women would be potter from in this case, since we say, they too are involved in the miracle, meaning they went through the same suffering as well as they, uh, they were instrumental in the salvation. So therefore they, um, they, they, they also um, have to participate in the mitzvah and they have the obligation of Hanukkah, of uh, lighting Hanukkah candles. Okay. We saw Rav Sheshes says that a guest uh, who is staying, uh, uh, staying at a house over Hanukkah, he should uh, also be, he's also chayven near Hanukkah and therefore um, says Rav that when I was um, traveling and staying at the uh, uh, staying, uh, eating kest, so to speak, at, uh, at my host while studying in yeshiva, I uh, I I would chip in with the uh, by giving some coins towards the candles. That it's basically that I'm also lighting together with the family. Um, that's what he would do, and uh, basically that's only until he got married. But once he got married, so then he said that uh, my wife is lighting at home. Even though I'm not home, but uh, that surely covers my obligation. I do not need to chip in. So that's the story. Um, Rabbi Shubhan Levi says that all oils are good for a kosher, but uh, when it comes to Shem and Zayis, it's the best is olive oil. So Abaye says that actually that was a chiddush to him because he thought that the, that the preferable oil would be sesame oil. Because uh, it is a slow burning oil, so it the the it, it'll last longer. But once he heard that which Rabbi Shuman Levi said that he prefers olive oil, so he says that's probably because that the bigger the more important thing than having a long lasting oil is having a clearer flame, and olive oil produces a clear flame, and that's why he, the preference came to olive oil. Um, yes. That is correct. Yes, that is, if there's no, if the, if that is true. 
the household needs to have Shabbos candles. So um, if you usually it's the woman's mitzvah, but if for whatever reason the woman's not home, so the husband has the obligation to light the the Shabbos candles. Correct. Okay. Um, we saw also from Mishum and Levi that uh, olive oil is also the best oil for ink, and we weren't sure what kind, what purpose for the ink, the for the purpose of mixing the ashes together, you know, to like form into the 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 ink, or is it to produce the smoke that gets the black color? And the answer is both. It's good for both. We also saw that there's a third ingredient that's mentioned in the Gemara is this sap that comes from a tree, from a particular tree. The, it's some type of wild um, fruit, wild prunes, um, and that is the, the, the best sap for this purpose in the, in the mixtures to make the best ink. Next thing we talked about is Rav Chia Bar Ashi, the name of Rav, and somebody lights near Chanukah, he needs to make a bracha. And also, Rabbi Yermia says that when somebody sees Ner Chanuk, he also needs to make a bracha. Rashi explains that that's only if, for whatever reason, you're not making your own bracha at home, then, as when you see it, then you would make a bracha. And of course, the bracha, Rashi, the Gemara doesn't get into which bracha the seer makes, but he can't say the bracha of Lahadlik the Nishar Chanukah, obviously. The bracha that he would make is, um, is, Lavaseinu Bayamayim. Um, now, uh, we did see also, review the brought down, that the, on the first day, when you see, uh, when you, the first night, and you're only uh, seeing somebody else's lights, so then there would be two brachas um, um, that, a, that he would say, he would say the bracha shasanisim and shechianu, and, um, and the person with lights would say the three brachas, he himself says, as well as and also Shechianu. After the first night, so then it's down to two for the lighter and one for the person who sees the the sees the candles lit. Um, which one do we take away? We take away the Shechianu. Why not take away Shasanisim? The answer is is because the Nisim were actually applicable all eight all eight days. What is the bracha that we do? We do the bracha and that brought us to an interesting question. If the bracha is but we were sanctified with our mitzvahs and we were commanded where were we commanded this? This is a mitzvah so that's the question. So the Gemara explains that, uh, that according to Rav Ivya it's based on the Pasuk of Los Sasur that you can't turn away from what the Chacham tell us every generation. Whoever of Nehemiah says that it's a puzzle that you have to follow the traditions as taught to you by your fathers. And, um, and those are the two basic sources. Problem with this is, is Rav Amram asked the question is that uh, we saw that there's Allah when it comes to Demai, which also there's an obligation to separate a secondary tithe when we're not sure if the tithe has been taken because this grain was given to us by an Amaret, so we're afraid or not careful in separating tithes. And um, that food is permissible, really, even though you didn't separate the tithe yet. Um, and therefore, it can be used in your Erev, it can be used in your Shituf, um, for a Mavoy. Uh, you can make a blessing on it, meaning benching. 
Uh, you can make a zimun with it. So it's basically, we consider it 100% kosher food in that regard. Um, and you can also separate the tithe of the demai, even when you're not clothed, and even ben of Shabbos. Now, if you're telling me that any midrabanan requires a bracha, so how could you separate it when you're not clothed? You're not allowed to make a bracha when you're not clothed, as we know. Um, uh, that uh, that the pasuk says, "Vayimachin echol kadosh." You're not allowed to say any dover shemikdusha when you're naked. So that's the question. So Abayi says there's a major difference between the demai din derabanan and Chanukah. By demai, it's a suffix to devrim. That means the rabbi said, due to the doubt, we want you to take a second tithe. Since it's always it was initially instituted only to cover for a doubt, then there is no brach on it. As opposed to when over here by Hanukkah, where they instituted a vade din, so therefore there is a brach. Problem with that is, is that that doesn't work for yom tivsheni because by yom tivsheni, the halacha is is that it's a suffix. It's a, it's also it's only because of the doubt because we're not sure of the calendar, um, in you know outside of Eretz Yisrael. Maybe we get the news late, which day is Rosh Chodesh, so it could be off by one day. Anyway, that's also, it's a suffix, and we do say the bracha on the second of Yom Tif. All the brachas that we do, the Kiddush brachas. So what's the story? So, so the Gemara said that's also a different reason. That's because we don't want people to be mezalzal in second Yom Tif. People treat the second yomtiv denigrating and not, a seri- not taking it seriously as a yomtiv. So therefore, the rabbi said that in order to give it some more s- seriousness in people's eyes, they made it a, they instituted a bracha, even though really, because the doubt, they should not have instituted a bracha. Okay. Next we saw is, um, Rava says that uh, another explanation is that uh, the reason why you don't make a bracha by demai is because really it's not it's it's a really only an outside chance that the tithes weren't taken. We believe that Rova Ameorits do take proper tithes, even though they may we are afraid they maybe didn't, but most of them do. And that's why they never instituted a bracha. It's not like a real suffix, and that's the difference. Okay. Next we saw was a interesting halacha from Rufuni. He says that if you have a chatzar that has two doors to your, uh, two openings, so you can need two candles uh, for each of the doorways. So, uh, and Rabbi says that's only if the two doors are on two different sides of the, they're not facing the same direction. But if the two doors are facing the same direction, then you would need to. So the question is, why? Uh, what are we worried about? We're worried about chashad, that people suspect him of not lighting his Hanukkah candles. The question is, who's, who are we suspicious of? Are we worried that maybe a stranger would come by, passing by, not familiar with the neighborhood, not familiar with the people in the neighborhood? And that's what we're concerned with. So that's the chashad that we're talking about. So then even if it's on one side, he doesn't know that it's one person living there. And uh, if you're going to talk about that at the locals, so the locals know that only one person lives there, so even if it's in two sides, it shouldn't be a problem. He knows that. They know that this is a corner house. The same, this door is the one that's connected to the door on the, around, the other, around the bend. So the Gemara explains that we're worried about the Bnei Masa, the locals, 
And the thing is, is they maybe they'll just pass by one street. They won't pass by both, both streets. And they happen to pass by the street that doesn't have a mezuzah. And because, I mean, not a mezuzah. It doesn't have a uh, Hanukkah candles. And they'll say, just like it didn't have Hanukkah candles on this side, they'll make an assumption. They'll jump to the conclusion. Probably it didn't light on the other side. And uh, that's the chashad that they'll suspect them of not keeping the mitzvahs properly. So that's the problem. And that's the, that's the concern over here. Okay. Um, so, the Gemara says this idea that we are choshesh for chshad as a basis in um, a basis from another halacha. Okay, the Brisa brings down Rav Shimon says that there are four reasons why the Torah says that the proper place to leave your peah is at the edge of the field, and you can't leave the peah somewhere else, somewhere in the middle, and say that's your peah. It has to be specifically at the edge of the field, and there are four particular reasons. Number one, gezel aniyim, Bitul Aniyim, Chashad, and the Pasuk of Lopaltechala. So the Gemara explains each of these. What are each of these all about? So what we're afraid of the Gezel Aniyim is that we're afraid that the Balabais will um, take an opportune moment when there aren't uh, other Aniyim around, and his, uh, his relative, who happens to be an Ani, is there, and he'll say, oh, I'm declaring the payer right now, right here, where the poor, where this poor man is, and this way he'll get an added advantage over all the other poor people, and by doing that, he is in fact um, stealing from the other aniyim because it's supposed to be fair to all aniyim. So that's one reason. Okay. The second reason we says that the bitul aniyim, because if if that would be the case that you could leave the pail wherever you want. You just have to leave a portion somewhere in your field so the Aniyam are going to feel uh, obliged to wait around the entire day just and watch him to just in case he might leave the pay at any given moment. This way that we know that they all know that it's only going to be left at the edge of the field so they can say, look, he's middle of, of, of harvesting. It's not going to be quite, it's going to be quite some time till he's up to the edge of the field till he leaves his payah. So therefore, I can go home, take a eat, I don't have to, I, I can go learn, <laughs> do the daf, whatever it is, and I don't have to worry that I'm going to lose out on my parnasa, basically. So that's the, that's the second reason of bitul anim, causing them bitul zman. And the third reason, we said is the chashad, is that if you would leave it somewhere else, and not at the edge of the field, so people will say, oh, look at this guy, he doesn't leave payeth for the poor. Because they'll jump to conclusions that he didn't leave it. This way, it's always at the edge, and therefore, they'll always, everyone passing by will always notice it. So, there's a basis, another basis for the idea of chashat. That's why we brought this whole thing down. And the other last reason is because of baltachala. What do you mean by baltachala? Isn't all of these related to baltachala? The answer is, of course, it is. Um, the issue here is, is that we're afraid that this person is just a trickster. And he's going to say, oh, I did leave Peya, it's all the way on the other side. We're, obviously, this guy never left Peya whatsoever. And uh, by saying, uh, by taking away the choice where to leave the Peya from, it has to be at the edge of his field, so he won't be able to trick everybody and say that he did really leave it when he did not. Okay, which brings us to the next section. Rav Yitzchak Baradif has said in the name of Huna that a, a candle that has two, that's being lit on two ends, can qualify for two people's obligation. Um, Rav says uh, that if you fill up 
a platter filled with oil and you put a lot of wicks in, the, in there. So it can fulfill a lot of lightings provided that you cover, put a cover on uh, the oil and make it into basically separates each of the wicks that they're not connected to each other. That would work. But if you keep it open, then it becomes basically a madura, becomes like a bonfire, and then it's not even fulfilling even one man's obligation because there has to be a single flame. And we sort of, when there's no separation, there's no separator, we consider it a single uh, flame. Okay. And the next thing we saw is uh, Rava says that uh, that it's clear that uh, that when you have a question where which you have limited funds and you only have enough for either Shabbos candles or Yuchanaka candles, so the Shabbos candles take priority. They're called Ner Beso in the Lashon of Gemara because they provide the Shalom Bayis. They provide the peace in the house because by having a lit up house for your meal. So it makes it a more pleasant environment. And those things lend to Shalom Bayis, and that's why that's a priority. Now, if you have near, uh, money, limited funds for, uh, for either Shabbos candles or for Kiddush, so also the Shabbos candles take priority over the Kiddush, and that's because Shalom Bayis is a stronger factor than being able to make Kiddush on wine. However, the Gemara wants to know, what Rabbi says, what about Ner Hanukkah and Kiddush Hayom? Which one takes priority? What are the two? Meaning, I have limited funds. I already have enough money for the, for the Shabbos candles. That's covered. And I have another dollar. Now, with this other dollar, do I buy a, a thing of grape juice or whatever, to, a cup of grape juice to make Kiddush? Or do I, um, do I spend it on my Hanukkah candles to fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah candles? So, the, so the Gemara says, what are the two sides? Kiddush Yom maybe takes precedence because it's tadir, it's a more regular mitzvah. Or do we say that Ner uh, Hanukkah takes precedence because that's Brisumi Nisa? And then the Gemara's conclusion is, is that actually Ner Hanukkah wins over Kiddush because of Brisumi Nisa. That's a stronger consideration than having Kiddush on one. Okay. We, know, we saw an interesting um, memra from Rav Huna. He says that somebody who's careful in Ner Hanukkah and Ner Shabbos, for that matter, he merits to have children that will be Tamid Chachamim. It's where Rashi brought down the Pasuk, Ner Mitzvah V'Torah Or, that, uh, that they're connected to each other. Um, similar, there are other things. Uh, that If you're careful in the Mitzvah of Mitzvah, you'll have a nice home. If you're careful in the Mitzvah of Tzitzis, you'll have a nice talis. If you're careful in Kiddush, you'll have a, you'll have plenty of wine. Uh, Rav Huna was uh, would pass by the door of Rabbi Oven, and he noticed Rabbi Oven was a wood chopper. He was not a uh, uh, he, he was a simple artisan, whatever. He wasn't a very high chash of a person per se. It sounds like, but he saw how careful he was in lighting candles. And he said, if that's the case, he's going to definitely be meriting to have two great children from he come out from him. And sure enough, he had two sons that were great Talmud Chachamim, Rav Idi Bar Avin and Rav Chia Bar Avin. Rav Chizda would pass by the doorway of the father-in-law of Rav Shizbi, and he saw how careful he was with candles. And he said that there's going to be a great person connected to this house, and sure enough, he, the Rav Shizbi became the son-in-law 
of this person. Okay. Next, we saw is Rav, uh, the wife of Rav Yosef. She used to light her Shabbos candles quite late. And he told her that that's not the right way to light, Rav Yosef said. Rav Yosef says that the proper place to light, proper time to light, is a little earlier. And that's because um, we learn that Hashem, when he led the Bnei Yisrael in the desert, the, it says, Lo yomosh amudu which basically means that they were bo- that in the transition period between day and night, they were both there. Um, that, the, that they didn't leave one from the other. And that's the idea that, uh, that you're supposed to light while it's still yet the day. Okay? And uh, so she says, let me take it to an extreme. and light really early. So he said, so an elderly person, a Saba, came over to her and said, no, no. It's not to be too early or too late. It's supposed to be only a little bit early. And that's where our custom comes, that we light 18 minutes before Shkia. Next, we saw that Rabbi says that one who loves the rabbis will merit to have sons that are rabbis. Okay, One who honors the rabbis will have sons-in-law that are rabbis. And some, one who fears rabbis will he himself become a rabbinical student. And uh, if he's not worthy, meaning he doesn't have the head for it, so then he'll at least have a quality similar to rabbis that what he says will be paid attention to. Okay, next we talked about, and this is where we ended off, with the halacha of Shemin Sreifa. We mentioned that the Shemin Sreifa is one of the oils that are not acceptable for Shabbos lighting. The question is, what is Shemin Sreifa and what's the issue with it? So Shemin Sreifa means it's Shemin of Truma that became Tameh which the only thing you can do is burn it. What is wrong with Shem and Sreifa? So, why not? The answer is, is, since you have an obligation to destroy it, so you might turn the light in order to destroy it. That's the first view that we Gemara has brought down. Rabbi says, if that's true, then why don't we light with Shem and Sreifa on Yom Tif? And we know that upcoming, we'll see that we don't light with Shem and Sreifa on Yom Tif. So the Gemara says that's true because that's exerish of Yom Tefatu Shabbos. If we let you do it on Yom Tif, you may come to use it on Shabbos as well. Rav Chizda says that that's not the concern. We're not afraid that you're going to turn the light, what the, you, that you're going to turn it in order to get it full, get all the oil fully burnt. The issue is 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 really it's a specifically a Yom Tif issue, and that's because um, when Yom Tif comes out on Friday night, is also Yom Tif. If you light it, you'll be burning Kachim on Yom Tif, and there's a rule that we don't burn Kachim on Yom Tif. We're actually going to see more about this coming up in today's daf. Okay. I, if it, it says later on, Doesn't that imply that over here we're talking about Shabbos, not Yom Tif? So the Gemara says, no. That's the explanation. Why is Shem Tzreif an issue? Only because Shem Tzreif and that's because we don't burn with Shem and Sreifa on Yom Tif. And uh, basically, we brought a proof to this from Rav Chizda, Brisa, uh, uh, <coughs> that supports Rav Chizda's explanation, because it says the oldies that we said that we don't light on Shabbos, we could use on Yom Tif. The one exception, and that's because on Yom Tif, you're allowed to light things, you're allowed to use fire, deal with fire on Yom Tif. The difference is, the reason why we, there's an issue here, it's only with Shem Tzreifa because we can't burn Kachem on Yom Tif. We'll see why not coming up soon. And that's where we got up to yesterday. And let's press.